holding this uh, retreat in a in a workshop. The phrase meditation workshop will never be the, seen the same mm-hmm. again. Sometimes this uh, word kamatana is used to talk about meditation or direct practice. It's, it's, a, it's like really kamatana means really doing it. Foundation in, in action, in, in putting it in work, practice, working on it. So Really, the word meditation doesn't do justice to the range of practices. It's much too limited and cramped an idea. It tends towards uh, thinking, speculation, and it's always concerned with with tranquility or calming or um, some internal experience, something that's purely about one's thoughts and inner feelings and so on. And uh, an isolated experience. You practice kamatana, it's that everything is working on things, things are working on you. Yeah. Being in a group, in the routines, this in itself has its effects, works on us can be gladdening, strengthening, irritating, it can be liberating, or it can seem very much um, like a captivity. Um, whatever the perception is, that's what you work with. a very direct uh, way of of uh, relating to to life mm. for the reason that if it's if it's really if we really directly relate to things as they are then the suffering stops the carrying it around and the feeling besieged by it or adrift in it or trying to find something in it, or lost in it, or missing out on something isn't here. Because when you're direct practicing directly, then this is here, this is it. And uh, the, the, the nub of it is always that in us which is suffering, pushing it away, wanting something that isn't here, not wanting something that is here, trying to be something, trying to hold something, trying to get rid of something. This is what we we work on. Upadana, or clinging. Mm. Clinging is, is like, uh, clinging is likened to a, a 
a food or a support, something that uh, you like the way that a plant or a tree clings to the ground to support itself, to feeds on it. Upadana is you know, clinging is also means a food or a support or a nourishment. And what does this way of clinging, what is it always there to nourish? What are we trying to support when we cling to to feelings, cling to situations, cling to sense contact, roles and positions, memories and thoughts. We're trying to create or we're trying to uh, support and feed the sense of self, of separate identity. And directly you can notice what it what it's like. Sense of self is always feeling of being separate from things and looking at them, looking looking at them, judging them, measuring them, wondering which one's the right one, trying to find something, trying to get rid of something. It's always this this strange sort of besieged exile from reality. Sense of self is is a, a view. It's rather like you rather like always looking through the window at what's going on, but never really being part of it. Always looking looking through the window at the dance, not being able to hear the music or fit into it. It's like this is what a view is. So. Clinging at things stimulates this this view, this self view. Because when we hold on, when when there's something in us, this clinging operates, and and uh, a feeling or a sensation is is held to, is either indulged if we if we get fascinated by it, we indulge in it, we enjoy it, we long for it. Then what actually occurs is is that that feeling is remembered and then when instead of feeling directly as it is as something that arises and ceases we form a memory, a perception of it an idea of it wasn't that nice, let's do it again let's have more of it something unpleasant lodges and is remembered perception and memory forms of it. And then we look at that and then we don't want that to happen again. So that this is a process of always like viewing oneself as separate from what's happened and then considering oneself to be separate and then not wanting things to happen to this separate person or wanting things to happen to this separate person. And how unsatisfactory that view is, that way of relating to life. It's always, always alone, never quite finding it, never quite find the right place, the right situation, the right person, the right thing to happen to us. Never somewhere where it's safe, 
and warm and pleasant. Always a feeling that you know, we're besieged by unpleasant feelings, pain, death, hurt, loss. And we long to find a place where this doesn't happen to me. But so this this longing can start up all kinds of uh, quests, mundane and uh, and spiritual, to find the place where this won't occur, where we will unite, where we will actually be secure, realized, fulfilled. And everything we look through. At, when we look through our window, all we'll see is that which is pleasing, familiar, friendly, beautiful. But this is—we never—we never find that through this through this process. And the, you know, we can always feel that maybe we haven't worked hard enough at it, or you know, it's or, or eventually maybe something wrong with us. We're not capable of getting there, or doing it, or finding it, or having it, or we just we have a failure, really. But in in Kamatana you're looking very directly at that experience of self, of being something. And what 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 it what it amounts to. So it amounts to it has three aspects to it. There's the sense of things being mine. My car or my house. My Clothes. When we look at it a bit more directly, you realise, no, it's not, it's not mine. It's kind of, you know, I've got it for a while, but essentially, it's not doesn't belong to me. And we, this is something that people forget. Well, we kind of forget. We kind of remember, but, but emotionally, it feels like that still. Because even though we can accept this as an idea, there's still the very strong sense in which these things so uh, create our identity. So often when we go out and buy them and find them, it's because it, it gives us a feeling of security, or in a way what we have tends to uh, create or stimulate our sense of who we are. If we've got nice things, we feel good. If we've got grotty, old, ugly, beaten up, worn out stuff, we think, you know, don't feel so good. We've got nice, beautiful things, then an ordinary person will feel better, and people will look upon them with some admiration. The sense objects help to 
give rise to the feeling of being, you know, that one, one's view of oneself is enhanced by pleasing or attractive sense objects. And so then, this is why it's so strong for us. It's not really that the things in themselves, it's what they mean, what they signify. And people, when a person is very insecure, they have to have lots of stuff. The more, the more mature we, we become, the more uh, focused and mature we become, the less we actually need to have things. So renunciation becomes quite simple because stuff is just really... It don't, you know, you, you don't get that feeling of being a good person because you've got a nice pair of sandals or something. Or it doesn't... You know, it doesn't do the same thing. As your practice matures, then you find you don't really care about these things anymore. But then we still have as a the body, which we feel first of all is perhaps is me, and then as you meditate a little bit, you recognise well the body's not me, but it's mine. It's this thing that belongs to me, and I'm sort of stuck with it. Um, it affects me very directly. It's mine, my body, it's not anybody else's. But if we practice things directly as they are, then directly in the moment, it, the body is not mine. It's something that you don't even, don't even know what it is, actually. You have an idea of a body. But directly in the present moment, what, what is a body? What is your body? Is it a, a visual object, or is it a set, series of sensations, or is it a memory, or what is it? Or is it a temperature? What is it directly now? Your body. Whatever happened to your gallbladder? But that's not here now, is it? So you can say, you know, but then if you, if you talk about it saying, well, I, you know, I don't have a gallbladder, it sounds ridiculous. But we're looking at it directly in the present moment, see that you don't actually have a body. You have, you have a perception of some kind or another arises in the mind, doesn't it? Feeling of warmth, pressure that you associate with your leg, or, or a visual impression that you looks like your hand or your knee or somebody else's body shape that you call a body, the visual thing. So this, we realize the body is actually a view that we carry around, perception and a view. And uh, there's a lot of investment of it being me and mine. uh, So that if it looks nice, then we feel good. It doesn't look very nice, we feel unhappy. And then, not just its, its appearance, but uh, it's also the, the, the feelings that go on in it. Painful, pleasant, neutral feelings seem to be uh, something that we, we feel we have them. Say, I have a pain in my head. I have a toothache. Uh, it's aching back, I have it, I have an aching back. But directly, what we can really is occurring is 
we, a, we can recognize the sensations that we don't find pleasant, unpleasant sensations are occurring. You can't have them because they're not anything that can be held. They kind of they happen. They're events. They're not things. Anymore, you can have half past nine or Thursday morning. I mean, it, you say it's got a reality, but you can't actually have one of them. They're they're events. They're they're, they're things that occur, and they're dependent upon forces of nature. Uh, dependent upon. Um, causes and conditions so they don't really belong to me feelings don't belong to me but though they don't belong to me they give rise to the sense of me when I have pain I feel miserable I feel fed up and if I feel sick I feel useless don't want to live anymore I feel sick and painful and it really affects my self-image my impression of myself is of, of someone who's overwhelmed, burdened, dumped on by these miserable experiences. Poor me. So that we get this, uh, and then we, so we we cling to these experiences, and they become mine, and they become me, and they become myself. Thoughts. We think we first of all we assume we think. Then when you meditate you realise thoughts kinda of happen. They occur. And uh, we, we call them my thoughts. They're mine. But they they are causally conditioned, they arise and they cease. And they give rise, they, they create a self, they don't come from one. And how do they create a self? Through the clinging. Through this they feed. There's an en- there's a force called clinging or upadana which which kind of takes this stuff as food for creation of self, creation of an in- self impression. So the teachings on self are are that there are three positions: mine, me, and myself. Mine is when we see something as an object. Like shoes or clothes or perhaps our body, it can, it can vary depending on where, how you're looking, how how fine or close or or accurate you're looking is. So that you, you know, body is mine rather than me. Sometimes it seems to be me, and sometimes it's mine. But it's when the the, the we take the position. We look at things from the position of not being them. And this is mine rather than me. Things become an object rather than the subject. Me is the agent, the one who does things. So I think, I act, I walk, I sit, I breathe, I meditate. It's the one who acts. It's a subject, an agent. Mine is always just something that, that it's not an action, it's a thing that, ha- that So when we take, we view experiences as things, they're mine. When we view experiences as an action, it's me who does it, or you who does it. And the results of, of this experience of seeing things in this way, 
I'm thinking, I'm working, I'm walking, I'm sitting, I'm meditating, is there's this uh, creates a kind of an impression because then it's how well did you do it? What was the result of it? Did people like it? Do you like? Did you think you did well or badly? Was it successful? Was it pleasant or unpleasant? Then dependent upon that, this kind of shadow, this image comes up of myself. I didn't do very well, therefore this is an unpleasant image, feeling, <coughs> miserable. So myself is a kind of a, a shadow or, or an impression, a stored up impression of actions that are held to be done by me. And um, so this self is uh, then acts as, because mine. It's the ultimate possession, is myself. It's the kind of thing that all other possessions and all other actions lead towards creating, is myself. We, in a way, we live our life and the net result of it is what I feel myself to be. A success or a failure or a good person or a bad person or a liked person or a, you know, intelligent or stupid or whatever. So everything leads to this. And of course the big race, the big game is to make that self perfect or happy or contented and it, uh, how you do that depends on what game you're playing whether it's the most beautiful self the most funniest self, the wisest self or the most enlightened self and um, this isn't something that we even really know we're doing a lot of the time it's, uh, it's just the result of doing things from the position of me. It's, it's held in that way. When it's held like that. And when it's not held like that, then it doesn't give rise to any impression. So when there's just action without the sense of self, that without me, then it doesn't give rise to that impression. And many of the actions that we do actually are not done from me and the feeling of me doing it. They are they're kind of neutral. Not, we say there's no karma involved in them, they're just neutral, they're just actions. Breathing is quite a uh, is, is something that we, is just occurring. But when we start to try to do it, like we meditate on the breath, and not we become the position of me doing it, then suddenly this whole kind of self-image occurs around our breathing. 
So we can see how how an action or uh, thought or speech can be something that we it just occurs quite naturally, or it can be done something that occurs from the sense of self, a motivation to find or to have or to become something, to get something or to get rid of something. So the Buddha recognized that there were he said there are two fundamental views connected with the experience of self. One is the the view of uh, we call it of becoming or of eternal eternalness or permanence. Bhava, which means that the that the experience we we are acting in an experience in order to accumulate things, in order to accumulate happy feelings, wise experiences, good friends, or whatever. It's a sort of an accumulative experience that somehow the the, the fundamental view is a kind of one of gathering up that which is beneficial to make so oneself becomes more and more completed and fulfilled. The other one is what they call the annihilationist view, which is one of, of getting rid of everything. So to be left alone, to not be bothered, to uh, be, uh, so that what we can do is can be from the position of just getting rid of that which we find unpleasant, irritating or confusing, a sort of re- retreating mode, and the uh, the the kind of view is that eventually one will be completely separated from all these things. One will sort of be in a nice void state, annihilated, and not bothered, not impinged upon. And both of these views are, of course, their their view, their ways of seeing life, their ways of seeing things. They're kind of psych- our psychological drives. So our actions, when they're actions from the sense of me, tend to fall into these patterns. To I, when I do when actions occur with a sense of me doing it, then there's the looking for a result either to finish things, get things done, get rid of things, stop things happening, clear out that kind of experience, or to accumulate, to get a good result, to store up you know, that which is I feel to be good and beneficial. Of course, none, neither of these positions actually works. <laughs> none of these views that actually, you never get the result. You can never get away, and you can never accumulate enough of the good things. There's always something that goes wrong, or some good thing that leaves, or set is separated, or it doesn't last long enough. And that no matter how much you try to kind of wipe things out, something comes and gets you. Uh, so neither of these positions is, is really works at all. So that the whole sense of me doing it is gives rise to this this these unsatisfiable views that can't be maintained. So the whole frustration of our life is that the more harder I try to either get something or get away from something, you know, the more I see life in those terms and my actions and my meditation practice in those terms, then I keep coming up against the, the feeling of I haven't quite got it or I nearly managed to get rid of it all, but then that, that one thing happened. And so we we find ourselves caught in this 
in this trap. So then we try harder to either get or to annihilate. And neither of positions can be maintained. Now if you look very just di- directly, say an obvious thing like pain, physical pain that, that affects us, that we experience in our sitting here. I don't know if you do this, but I imagine most of you feel painful. I certainly experience a lot of physical pain, discomfort. And then, but looking at it very directly, the feelings then, and considering this this uh, theme of practice, then generally what, what occurs is there's a, as a shifting to try to find some position which isn't painful, or some way of blocking the pain off, or, de- or dealing with it. So essentially the response towards pain, naturally enough, is I am other than that, that's happening to me, but I'm not it. Myself is other than pain, and myself is that which I must protect from the pain, and not, not have that pain happen to me. So no, 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 it's a basically a get away from it experience, a get away from it movement. So then the feeling is because you don't actually get away from it, you can sometimes you can by concentration practices or shifting around, but eventually you get another one comes <laughs> sooner or later. So the the spirit, the self image is that one of being it's rather humiliating. We feel quite depressed year after year of this going on. I didn't come here for this. I should be fun. Particularly when you've rather pride yourself occasionally on being able to kind of, you know, get physically fit or, you know, you develop your yoga postures or something so you don't don't experience it. You're oh, pretty, pretty good now and then doing something goes. And so that all this feeling of having attained something and got away from it, suddenly that, that myth is shattered and you're experiencing pain again. And the, the sense of being in a trap being humiliated, being like somebody besieged who can never get out of this pain bag. So, of course, under that, under that kind of effect, then the self says, I don't want any more of this. Do something else instead. So the, the, we accumulate a, self, a view of ourself as being... Uh, pained, and that uh, is something that we can't bear. Now when it's pleasant, pleasant experience, a sunny day, the beautiful scenery, or something nice to eat, warmth, lying in a hot bath, and so on, then uh, these are things that one, the sense of uh, just how to make more of it how to really either fully integrate into this lovely experience, become one with it, or make sure it happens more often. It's to accumulate it, isn't it? To have it as many times as possible, and to make as much of it as possible, and to absorb into it. So this is the, this is the movement of, because when we do that, suddenly we feel good. When I'm li- I li- if I lie in a hot bath, then I feel 
everything is all right with the world, really. <laughs> How nice it is. You know. and the world changes. I like to have that experience happen more often. It's very difficult here since we don't have a bathtub. The <laughs> 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 only way you can do it is you get in the scullery sometimes and lock the door. You can jump into the, the, the tub that we use for uh, washing up. But it's not very nice in there with the mops and sponges around <laughs> here. <laughs> All the scullery bric-a-brac. Relax the ambience. <laughs> of good. So when you're lying in there, you know, you, you realize you're not, you want sort of the nice perfume bath salts or the rubber duck to play with or something. Now these then are, this is just the, notice this, it's ordinary things like that, pleasure and pain. You don't have to be that advanced, meditated to notice pain and pleasure, but to, to actually use the wisdom teachings to review what's occurring in, in, within that, these normal experiences. Why does it depress me? Why do I feel uninspired? And I feel, where's my sense of faith dwindle? you know, when I feel pain, or, or so that the mind begins to project into the future of months, weeks, years of pain ahead of me, probably getting worse, really gloomy. Or even not with physical pain, but just the, I say, um, mental displeasure, or just not, perhaps not even unpleasant so much as not, not wonderful like walking, doing walking meditation, not having a wonderful time, just walking up and down, walking up and down, and something, something should be happening now, shouldn't it? I should just be, I should be, surely I should be, shouldn't I be having a, some kind of experience, some you know, real deep insight experience, or rapture experience, or realization experience, I should be realizing something now, I'm sure, instead of just walking up and down. So this is the, the, the shadow of the self, looking for something to feed on. And then we maybe we've done an hour of that, what was all that about? Hmm. Waste the time that was, walking up and down for an hour. Didn't get anything out of that. Because it's, it's like even when things are not directly painful, you can still feel pointless or futile, the futility of it because it hasn't satisfied um, our accumulation instinct or, our, or annihilation instinct. And as long as we keep viewing things through those windows, then, then it's all, it always gives rise to the unsatisfied feeling, unsatisfied self. Maybe, you know, after ten years of meditation, surely you shouldn't walk up and down be rapturous and delightful. If you've really been practicing meditation diligently for the last decade or so, shouldn't you be sitting here in bliss? Mm. 
sitting here in bliss. The ten years of meditation, I'm not sitting here in bliss. That's because you're a failure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. And then look in the book, and then the Buddha, looking in the Sudhi Margaret, it says there the meditator yogi sits down, crosses his legs with the thought, may I rise in the beautiful, it attains the realm of the beautiful. With the thought, may I enter the sphere of nothingness, enters the sphere of nothingness. With the thought, may I enter the sphere of neither perception nor perception. Dispenses with the boring old world of nothingness <laughs> and goes to the world of neither perception and non-perception. All in about three paragraphs. And wow. Why come I've been sitting here for ten years and I don't get a single sniff at those things? <laughs> what I feel is bored and not blissed. What a failure. You are. Because when you're still looking at things very ind- indirectly, you know, is it there is no is it that there is no bliss, or is it that the problem is that we're looking at things in this wrong in wrong way, the way in which of non-practice, and that maybe if we actually looked at things directly, without this upadana, this kind of trying to accumulate, then things change. The experience is a different one, rather wonderful mysterious you're not held down by worry and by his inner nagging and inner complaining and the longing this is don't bind you to this plane of dukkha and viewing and proliferation and then because of that desire and distraction and restlessness and doubt. Sometimes when you're practicing directly, you just in the, the sense of what one is, one's self-impression has to be looked at, has to be practiced with. No. When you, when in, in reality, it comes to comes to that you know, feeling of not being very good at this, or is this really what I want to do with my life, or why am I wasting my time? Never got anything out of it. Just that the darkness, the greyness of it, the fretfulness of it. Look at it very directly. Now, as long as we keep sense of. Uh, me and the self going, then the, as long as my actions give rise to that, as long as my ways of acting, acting towards even the self image, are coming from a position of me, then we'll still keep doing it. So sometimes we think, what can I do in order to improve my self image? Maybe I should be nice to myself, I should be more mindful. But what are we trying to do? We're trying to actually still trying to annihilate something or create something. So what is you know, what is a self image like? Feeling of perhaps we feel lack of confidence. So we think I should do something to make me feel more confident. 
myself. So we're trying to annihilate, or we're trying to become. And direct, when you practice directly, you stop doing that. Direct practice is, is we witness that experience, or is there is there is the coming together of the subject and the object. We have to enter ourselves in a way. Like look at it very directly. What is it made of? Perceptions, memories, feelings, hungers, fears. And practice with those very directly as something that these things that arise and cease. We don't have to not have them. They arise and they cease because actually they don't belong any more than our shoes or our house or our body or thought even the very the very most secret persuasions of what one is does not belong is not mine is not me But if it's not seen directly, if it's seen, if it's viewed, if, it's, if we look through the window at it, this dark thing crawling around inside, we peer into the heart, there it is, Ooh. skinny and scrawny and unloved, Ooh, horrible thing in there, yuck. <laughs> then it, that's what it is. It is me and it is mine. We're viewing it. So in insight practice or direct seeing is based on it has no real no drives in it. It's like the no it's like just the way it is. It's not trying to make anything anything. And that that cooling down of the drives is the, is, is our work. So that even in this kind of psychological and very subtle and yet profound psychological activity of, of fearing, repressing, complaining, feeling, you know, this, this stuff is something that, that we are, we're not engaging, we're not creating anymore. We're learning about it. We're even witnessing the attachments without any motivation. We're not trying to be someone who doesn't have them. Because when there's when awareness is cultivated, when we can actually be aware of things as they are, then we realise you don't have them. As long as we have, as long as we have this inner driving, then we have them. Even if that driving is determined to shake them off, the very motivation, the motor principle of me, firmly embeds them and establishes them as ourself. The most terrible thing in ourselves that we want to get rid of, and we put all our effort into getting rid of it, and we're determined to get rid of it, and we make vows to get rid of it, and we absolutely we, we don't get rid of it. 
you know, you push it down and you shove it away and you push it in a corner and you button down and deny it exists for a while, you don't get rid of it. And the most, the thing that we most want to be and become and we're desperate and inspired and certain and we study and we practice all our effort into being and becoming and having it, we don't get it. You get something like it maybe or you get kind of you can sort of twist it into feeling like you've got it but you don't get it because you you can't get it and you can't get rid of it those very actions are the way of which we always they're forms of clinging and clinging will always give rise to this impression of a self. And the self is something that must always be separate from what's happening. So you can never have anything because it's like it runs through your hands, you're separate from it. You can never get rid of anything because things come to you.
secret or the, the skill of direct practice is being able to make to to have the faith in Dhamma in in the practice in in this way of looking of, you know it does take quite a lot of effort to let go and to open up and to be still to see things directly takes quite a lot isn't it? it takes a lot of effort I'm just abiding with and so that, that that effort is not not an easy effort as you know there's so much of restlessly shifts or looks for something else to get into and just to abide and to hold still on it is that's a very powerful effort this is the effort of of great great being you have to trust it and pra- and, and back it up mm. Back it up by the, the direct seeing, seeing what what it's like when you're just determined to 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 stay and to observe and to 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 see what it's like, and then keep going into it, into the feeling, and the holding, and look at the kind of these these psychological drives that come up, pushing away or the holding on to, or the impressions of oneself that come up. And it's on a retreat, you particularly notice it. You feel lost or you feel uh, you feel you are something. Sometimes out, outside of meditation practice you actually don't you don't feel it so keenly, so you think, well problem is problem is meditation, you know, it drives you nuts. So so you, you know, you think well we don't if we didn't do it then we wouldn't feel so bad about ourselves if we could just kind of you know, bounce around happily. I mean, it's, you know, it'd be all right then, wouldn't it? It's, it's this sort of introspection. You can get away with it. You may not think you have much of a self-image or a self-view. But then notice what happens whenever there's any, when there's pain, for example, or just when there's blame or loss. Or, or, you know, or something, your family. You get sort of something terrible happens in your family. You get very affected by it. And then, what, what, what is it? What is it? What actually happens in those times? What, you know, you see what happens in your mind. Your sense of the whole karma, the whole personality, comes up again. And this feeling of being that. So we feel betrayed or hurt or wounded or we feel bad about ourselves. We feel we're stuck with something. We really feel stuck in things. And particularly when you've been for a while without it and you think you're free of it all and then and it comes back. Or you you know, or, or you have times when your practice is going quite well, quite nicely. And things seem clear, and then, as then, you know, you get blown away with negativity, or or thought of violence, or cynicism, or greed of some kind comes up, and then you feel really, really terrible. 
and suddenly this horrible self appears again, the one you think you've dealt with. And when it comes up again, it feels, it feels even worse because it's like all your efforts to have, get, to have got rid of it have been proved to be futile. So you feel even worse. So that then you notice the patterns it creates. I there's the pattern of being uh, sometimes some people you know they get into the like wounded self the image the image itself image is one of wounded being wounded being hurt all the time being let down or being a corrupt kind of person or foolish or the one who can't manage things. Or it can be even positive self-image that comes up. And these are like patterns. So, and it's rather, but then also you consider the number of, number of events that occur that don't create that. You know, the wind blows through the trees, you hear it, not, you know, it's no me and mine about it. You breathe in and out, or maybe you, you know, you cook a meal or something like that, or you, you do all kinds of things, but the, this doesn't have to occur. But some things, when it occurs very powerfully, particularly, of course, they're associated with, with strong feelings of belonging to or of ownership or of power like what I can do and what I can't do what I can control and can't control a very strong self-image is created around that so then when we seem to be disempowered when I can't do it then I this terrible feeling of being a useless person when I don't feel I belong or I'm a misfit or the one who doesn't belong then this unpleasant self-image comes up when I feel I belong then a very nice image comes up impression of oneself or feel I'm in you know, top form in control and know what's going on and everything's going according to my way very nice one. <laughs> for a while and it goes again so these, these are the, some of the patterns it's rather like if you have a you don't realise they're there until rather like you have a, a, like a elect, electromagnet you switch the current off and you get a load of iron filings and you throw them over it and there's no current on. So there isn't any pattern formed. There's no attachment. There's no clinging. There's no, so it doesn't form any pattern. And then you switch the current on and suddenly this pattern appears. That's, that's me. That's myself. There it is again. So then you, you brush those iron filings around as best you can and you come back again. My goodness. So then you try harder, and it comes, still keeps coming back. What you don't recognise is nothing, no problem. The iron filings are never the problem. It's, it's the, the current, the switched on current. If you could switch that off, then you wouldn't get that pattern. But to not get the pattern means you don't, also you don't want the pattern. You're not looking to be something or to be nothing. You're just looking at the way it is. 
feeling and perception. Body, consciousness, as it is. And these moves, these things that come up, thatness which wants so wants to find a place to that we we own as our we belong to. Once there's something we can feel we have or control of or doing, these are the hungers. And in Buddha Dharma, if we're filling up that gap with our faith, our love of the Dhamma, with our compassion, with our metta, with our kindness, with us, with our resolution to be to abide in this, with our this kind, this quality of of one-pointedness, has its own beauty to it. Because when we, in direct practice, when we see and you know, all you can ever be is just this. And you, you you really commit yourself to, to just this mo- to just being this as it is. Then yeah, the taste of, of freedom is very is a satisfaction is a satisfying. The hunger dies. We're not viewing life anymore. We're alive. We haven't got a life to live we are alive rather than having some concept or some identity or some time or some occupation that we take as ourselves. Now the clue to this is is a kamatana, direct practice, these meditation exercises, one-pointedness, calming and so forth are there to benefit it, the we're trying to carry this out in the spirit of, of devotion, of offering it all back to the Buddha, the ta- of, of receiving it from the Buddha, Dharma. It's not mine. Any virtues, any values, any skills that arise, are we give them back to the Dhamma. We praise the Dhamma. We praise the Sangha. We praise the practice. We respect and honor the Buddha the wise one, rather than hold any of it for ourselves. And if we do that, we feel the, the endless support of that refuge. And Buddha, the one that never turns away, never rejects, never gives up on anybody, always aware and watching. The Dhamma, which always things always change, there's always the possibility of, of change and growth. If you just bear with it, then elements will move and shift. And this is the, so when we have faith and we practice the Dhamma, then we 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 put that to the test by by bearing what we're with. And the Dhamma will always allow it to change. And if we practice with that. It takes us to the point of peace and coolness. So, Kamatana, 
direct practice is really based upon. You can only do it with this kind of backing. If you're trying to do it from the point of view of yourself, you always get into the hunger to have and to build up and to accumulate. And then the, either the conceit that we have accumulated or the denials or the disappointments, the suffering continues. Anyone? Um, the 